Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. So I am really excited to kind of start changing the way that some of these podcasts go. So if you do not know, I have recently stepped into a position to be a director with my super dear friend, Lisa, and we are directing the motherhood ministry at our church, which is Rock Church. And we are in Michigan. We are in a city called Fairhaven. And... The church has literally been such a safe place for me, especially when it comes to being a mom, because I fell away from the church and then I had kids and my mom told me, you know, now you have kids. This isn't just about you anymore. You need to get your booty into church. And really it was my kids that got me back into church because my mom kept telling me that, what are you doing? It's Sunday. Why aren't your kids at church? Your your kids need to know church from a small age, get them in church, get them in church. And that was honestly probably one of the best pieces of advice I got as a mother. So I want to give that to you and pass that down. If you do not go to church on Sundays, this is your reminder to start going to church. Now I shared before in a podcast that you obviously don't need to go to church to go to heaven. You don't need to go to church to be saved, but you also don't need to go home to stay married, but it's going to improve your relationship. So I highly recommend finding a church that you feel connected to, that you feel a part of, that you can not only attend on Sundays with your family, but you can start serving in your church too. Because a huge part of me awakened when I started serving in my church. And that's my passion in my heart is to encourage women to not only get out of the valley, this place of depression and anxiety and stress, and you're just overthinking and overanalyzing, and you have no grace for yourself, and you're a perfectionist, and you feel burnt out and overwhelmed, and you feel like you're failing, and you're unfulfilled, and you're like, Taryn, I thought that this was going to feel better. <laughs> I, I have everything that I need. You know, a lot of us have our health. We have a home, we have a car, we have heat, we have electricity, we have running water, we have healthy families, we have jobs, you know, really like you have everything that you could need, but yet you have this hole in your soul where you're like, I just feel dead inside and I feel so miserable. And so it is my passion to pull you out of the valley and open your eyes and help you turn and face Jesus and realize The reason why you feel so bad is because you're living your life completely opposite of what God tells us to live in scripture. But I have another part of my passion. It's not only to pull you out of the valley and say, okay, good job. You're you're not in that deep hole of darkness anymore. The chain has gone from your ankle, from Satan's shackles. But my passion continues because I don't want to see you just not struggling. I want to see you on fire for God's purpose for your life. 
because you do have a purpose, whether you believe it or not, you were specifically given these gifts and skills and talents and interests and passions and your personality and your humor and the way you think and the way you deliver information. You were balled up in this little ball of meaning and you're supposed to go out in the world and use all of that for his goodness. And the reason why you feel so dissatisfied with your life is because nothing can satisfy you like Jesus can satisfy you. We're not meant to even live here on this earth. We are aliens here. We are not meant to fit in. And I wish I could tell that younger version of myself that because I wanted to fit in so badly when I was growing up. I just wanted to fit in. And now looking at my kids growing up and in middle school and elementary I see them wanting to fit in. And I'm like, why do we want to fit in? It's because we want this sense of belonging. We want this sense of well done. You're doing a good job. You're contributing. And that's what happens when you get plugged into a church. That's what happens when you get plugged into a body of Christians, which is what a church is. The church is not the building that you attend on Sundays and maybe Wednesday nights and Monday for Bible study. The church is a group of people that are believing for Jesus and God's good, and they're working together to help each other, strengthen numbers. You can't do anything alone. They're coming together to help further the mission. So when you're not attached to a body and to a church, what happens is you're kind of left out there on your own. One, you don't feel like you fit in because you're in the world and you're with a bunch of worldly people. You don't feel like you fit in and you might be trying to change the way you are to fit in. You might start doing drugs or drinking a little more than you'd like or talking a way that you wouldn't want to talk or caring about things that you don't really care about in real life, but you are just to fit in and just to be a part of this. You might be going to concerts and events that you don't really like to go to, but you find yourself going there because you just want to belong. You just want to fit in. So when you don't have a church body to belong to, you try to belong in the world and it leaves you just miserable, to be honest. And if you've lived this, you're like, amen, Taryn. I, I know, I know the feeling. So I feel like so many women that call themselves Christians and who have a church that they attend sometimes, they're missing out on what God has for them because they're not plugged in to the church body. And I had to learn this the hard way. I hope you're not as stubborn as me and you don't have to learn this the hard way. I hope you can just hear my message today and say, she's right, I need to do this. But you are going to become the people you're around. So if the people that you're around are husband bashers, cheaters, liars, manipulators, addicts, working for things of this world, longing for acceptance of this world, trying to fit in, that's who you're going to become, okay? If you hang out with people who are speaking truth about marriages and troubles and addiction and speaking light and truth and hope and scripture and talking about what God says and pointing you to Jesus and saying, hey, let's pray together. Let me pray for this. Or here's this great book and it talks about what mothers and daughters are like in the scripture and how we can model that. It, th those relationships are so different. My worldly relationships are now just, I want to impact other people of the world and I want to love them and lead them to Jesus. I'm now strong enough to be able to do that. I just got to a place where I was strong enough to do that when I went out in the world 
And if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know this, that I went on a girl's trip, a 21 year old birthday trip down to Nashville, Tennessee. And I was really scared to go because I didn't think that I was strong enough in my faith and strong enough in my roots of my identity and who I am and what I want to not be influenced by the worldly people I was going with. You can be a Christian and go to Nashville and not partake in the sinful way of the world. But I was scared and I prayed myself up and before the trip and during the trip. And I asked for people to pray for me. And I was really transparent, honest with my mentors and told them what I'm struggling with and, and told them that I was struggling with wanting to be accepted and approved of. And, and I was able to do that, but you know, you don't have to be influenced by the world. You can get to a place where you're finally strong enough as a Christian to do the influencing, but it takes a really long time. So as a baby, where you're just starting out of believing that you're chosen and anointed, you're just starting out realizing, okay, I need to make changes. I need new friends. I need community. It starts with a church because those are the people that are going to give you life. So what I love so much about partnering with my church, Rock Church, to do this motherhood ministry, because we could have done it on our own. We could have found a facility. You know, I ran events of one, 200 people for years in my previous company. We didn't run them at the church. We found venues and halls and we charged a cover and we could have done that again. But what was really important to me was to be able to have this at my church, to be able to use my church as a resource to say, hey, what are you doing Sunday? Come to church. Hey, what are you doing Wednesday? We're having a Friendsgiving. Hey, what are you doing on Thursday? We're making wreaths. Hey, what are you doing? I wanted to be able to plug people into church functions so that we could build a tribe of women that wanted to know what God had in store for them as mother. And, you know, I shared the very first week of my, we've had three meetings now. And if you're local to me, we meet the second and fourth Friday of every month from nine to 11 in the morning. We have childcare, we have breakfast, we have coffee, we have it all. Okay. And the very first meeting I shared and said how I'm no longer an angry mom that I used to call myself the Hulk mom. And I no longer consider myself to be an angry mom. And so I had a lot of moms in between the first session and our third session ask me either on Facebook, Instagram, when I met up with them, when I saw them at church, they're like, Hey, so how did you stop being an angry mom? Like, Can you please tell me? Because I desperately want to stop being so angry. And I, I started thinking about it and like, okay, how did I stop being an angry mom? Of course I prayed. And I, I really, really, really prayed. I didn't just kind of throw it out there in a prayer before I went to sleep. I like wrote it down and was deep in prayer and prayed that the Holy Spirit would help shut my mouth, um, would help lead me into a different room, would help distract me. But I realized that there's two huge things, okay, that help you to not be an angry mom. Number one is you have to be healed. You have to be healed. Because if you're healed, you're not triggered. So a lot of the times that you're an angry mom or you're yelling and you're screaming and you're freaking out, it's because you're triggered. Your kids did something or said something that triggers you. So one of my triggers was always control. If I felt like I was losing control, that's when I was triggered. So if my kids weren't listening to me, if they were just really hyper and crazy and 
running all around and throwing things. And I kept saying, please stop, please stop running in the house. Please stop screaming. I also get triggered by really loud noises and just a lot of stimulation. You know, the TV's on, Alexa's playing a song, you know, she's screaming baby shark in the kitchen. They're having um, Coco Melon screaming in the living room. My daughter's Alexa's on, the boys are wrestling. The t- Like just, I can't handle that. And instead of expressing how I feel calmly to my children, I just start screaming and just turning everything off. Okay. Now this usually doesn't work. My point doesn't come across. They're irritated with me. They're annoyed with me. They're mad. Now they're crying. I was watching. I was listening to that. This isn't fair. You know, it doesn't do anything good because I'm triggered because I don't have control. Nobody's listening to me, or you can be triggered for a million other things. And there's a book I recommend. If you feel triggered, I want you to get the book called triggered. And the author is Wendy speak. And there's another person and I always forget her name, but the book is so great and it will help you each chapter. I think there's 30 chapters. They're very small and it's meant to read 30 chapters in 30 days. And it's so you can kind of do it as a devotional, but each chapter talks about a different trigger and how you know that that's your trigger and why you're triggered by that and how to change it. So Maybe not all 30 triggers are going to be for you, but I guarantee you, you'll be able to share some triggers with some people that you learn because you'll be able to think like, this is my mom. This is my sister. This is my best friend. This is her problem. Let me send this to her. So it's a really great book. It's very easy read, but you have to learn to heal. Now, how I healed was therapy because you're not supposed to be triggered. Okay. You don't need to be in a place where something triggers you and you explode. That's not healthy and that's not how you should be. So if you're triggering, you need to figure out why. For me, why I was triggered by um, control. I When I lost control, I wanted control. And that triggered me to just freak out because I was trying to gain control is because as a child, when I faced abandonment, when I was younger, the only thing I could do was learn to be a control freak and control everything around me because I knew if I was in control, I was safe. I didn't have to put myself in a vulnerable situation where I was let down, where I just said, nope, I'm not doing this. And it's closed up. The walls are up. I'm safe. So now when I lose control or I don't have the ability to control something, it triggers me and it makes me feel bad on the inside. My emotions change very quickly. So therapy was a huge thing for me to help me get over these triggers and to heal me from my past and to heal me from what I did, because based on how we all were raised, you developed a way to live your life based on how you were raised. So one of the things that I recently heard someone say is when they were younger, they grew up in a home where their father was a huge alcoholic and would fly off the handle at any moment. So as the children grew up and the mom was trying to protect the children from the dad, she taught them to not say anything, just agree and just be compliant. Don't question anything. Don't go against the rules. Don't go against authority. Don't challenge your father. Just shut up and do what you're told. Basically, keep the peace in the house. Don't confront. Don't start anything. Don't complain. Don't mope around. And so that's what they did because they had to out to keep themselves safe and themselves comfortable as they were growing up in this toxic home. So what happened to her is as she grew up and became an adult with her own children, that's how she was. So she couldn't handle confrontation in any sense in the church, in her family. 
in her workplace. She could never handle confrontation. If there was a problem, it was just shut up and deal with it. So what happened is she went her whole life feeling unheard. She didn't know how to communicate. So she didn't teach her kids how to do this. It created more chaos and trauma and toxicity in their life only because she was doing the best that she could with what she had. So based on how you were raised, if you grew up poor, if you grew up around addicts, if you grew up around broken people, if you grew up around a broken home or parents that bashed one another or abuse or abandonment or betrayal or gossip or any kind of toxicity as you were being raised, it shaped you into the person you are today. And you are going to treat your children like that, whether you want to or not. And that's how generational sin and curses travel down. Because although you know that your father was an abusive alcoholic and your mom was an angry mom screaming all the time and you hated it, the chance of you becoming more like them is a lot higher than you saying, I am absolutely not doing this and I'm pivoting and I'm making a new life for myself. And we do see that happen all the time. And the story of people like Oprah and Tony Robbins, their stories are powerful because they saw their families and that they were raised in and they said, nope, I am not doing this. And they turned and they built a beautiful life for themselves out of the hope and desperation for change out of generational sins and curses. So I had to learn how to heal myself. Now also praying for healing and praying that God led me down the right paths to be healed. I prayed for the right therapist to come into my life. I prayed for the right classes, the right scripture, the right books, the right conversations, the right people. And I made a whole prayer list on healing. Lord, heal me, restore me back to the person you created me to be. Reveal yourself to me. Remove the scales and the veil off of my eyes so I can see things for what they are. And if you want a list of my prayers because you're just starting out or you're like, I don't even know what to pray, you can go to my Instagram, which is at Taryn Sarconi, and you can click the link in my bio and I have freebies. You can download my prayer list. I have one for parents and just a general prayer list. You can download them, make them into your own, recite them for what they are. It's important that you're not just reading this list, but that you're feeling it connected into your soul. So if the wording is different than what you would say, change the words to be your own words. If a prayer is something you're like, I don't even know what she means by this, then leave that one out and rewrite it because you don't want this to get into religion where you're just doing something to do it. I want you to actually feel a connection with Jesus and the Holy Spirit while you're doing this, not just, okay, recite these 10 things and you'll be healed. That's not how it works. But the goal is to not be triggered as much and to be healed. Okay, so you need to be healed. And the second thing you need to be is you need to be equipped. You need to learn what a mother was to God. What does God say about being a mother? What are we responsible for? Because if you want to be equipped as a mother, you need to know the assignment. You know, I love that reel and that TikTok that it went around that was like, um, I understood the assignment, <laughs> the thing that they said, because I think that in my head literally all the time, where I'm like, I need to understand the assignment. Like, I need to know if I said, okay, I am hiring and I want you to work for me. And you put in an application and I called you and I said, you're hired. I want you to start today. Goodbye. I'll talk to you later. You're like, Taryn, what is the job? What do you need me to do for you? And if I didn't tell you anything, let's say that I had it all written down. I had an orientation packet. I had a job description. I had a training module. I had all of this stuff set up for you. And I never started it for you. I never told you where it was. 
and you never accessed it, you wouldn't be equipped for the job. You would get fired because you suck at the job that you're doing. It's not because you suck. It's because you don't know the job. Let me pretend for a second that I gave you the orientation packet and I gave you the training modules. And I said, hey, all of the information you need is in this book. And you will be so successful. You will be the best at this job ever. All you got to do is read the stuff in this book. Yet you didn't open the book. You didn't read the book. You didn't care about the book. And then you wondered why you sucked and you were fired at your job. It's the same thing what we're doing. You're wondering why your children are falling away from the Lord. You're wondering why your children aren't, aren't happy, why they're not fulfilled, why they don't feel like they know their identity. They're not rooted in Christ. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to go to youth group. They don't read their Bibles. They don't read their devotionals. They talk nasty. They treat people like you're like, what are you doing? I did not raise you like that. You're wondering why your kids are going out into the world and they're getting caught up in bad influences or they're toddlers and they're throwing tantrums and you feel out of control and you don't know what to do and your kids are lying to you and they're vaping and they're smoking and they're drinking and they're swearing and they're doing all of these things where you feel like I am out of control. I am scared to death of what's going to happen with these children. And I also, at the same time, feel awful and burnt out and overwhelmed. Oh, by the way, my marriage is failing. I'm fighting with my husband nonstop. We don't see eye to eye. I don't feel heard. I don't feel loved. I don't respect my husband. My health is declining. My friendships are declining. I haven't been to church in six weeks and I am lost. Help me. Well, the reason why your life is like that is because you probably have a book at your house. The average American has four Bibles in their homes. You probably have a Bible or two or three or four or five or six. Are you opening that? Are you reading your Bible? Are you doing your devotional? Are you going to church? Are you going to Bible studies? Are you plugging into a church? Because it starts with you. It starts with you. And, and it might have been too late, like thinking right now, okay, maybe you have kids that are like 12 or eight or six or 35. And you're like, Taryn, I really screwed up. Like, I wish I could go back and redo this. I get it. And I have thought that before. Like, I wish I could just take a do-over and go back. But you did the best you could with what you had at the time. And now, praise God, that you're realizing and you're becoming more aware that there is more that I can be doing. The scales and the veil are being removed from your eyes and you're starting to see things for what they are. And you're starting to realize I should read my Bible. I should find a devotional. I should do these things. Now, being aware and, and realizing I should be doing these things, that's great. And that's amazing. But a lot of people, they take the word should and they use it for self-destruction. And instead of using should like, oh, I should read my Bible and I should do this. Yes. Okay. I'm aware of this. Instead, you're like oh, watching Netflix. I should be reading my Bible right now. I should be doing my devotional. I should be going to church on Sunday. I should be at church right now. But instead I'm sitting here. I shouldn't be yelling. I should, I should, I should. And what Tony Robbins says is you should all over yourself. I should be doing this. I should be a better mom. I should be spending more time. I should be reading my Bible. And that is not a healthy way. 
and you're shooting all over yourself because really what you're doing, it's coming out of perfection. It's not graceful at all. You're not giving yourself grace. It's very shameful. It's very, you're not doing the right thing. And nobody is going to change the way that they are if you shame them in condemnation and you're not good enough and you're failing and you suck. No one wants to feel that way. And in fact, we feel that way without anyone telling us that. So you don't need to tell someone that they're doing this. You need to empower them to change. And that's what I'm trying to do for you is to get that negative language that you're spewing yourself about motherhood, get it away from you. You're doing the best you can with what you have. If you were raised in an abusive, addicted, toxic home, you did the best you could with what you had. And if you've been screaming at your kids and you found yourself addicted to, well, guess what? Now you're aware. Now you're seeing things for what they are. And it's never too late to change ever. It's never too late to change. Your children need you just as much when they're 35 as they did when they were eight. In fact, I would say they probably even need you more now because now they need a healthy mother who's going to give them good sound advice. It's very simple. Following Jesus is not just a bunch of do's and don'ts and rules and religious things that you need to accomplish and do in order to get to heaven. You need to be a good enough person. And if I follow this, what, what all of this is, is very simple. If you follow the scripture and you follow God and you are obedient to what he says, you will live a fruitful, abundant life where your children are following Christ and you're changing the world and you're making an impact where you also feel on fire for the Holy Spirit. You feel worthy and honored and righteous with Christ and you feel like you are in the right place and you're strong and you are not triggered and you are not traumatized anymore and you are equipped you have the tools that you need I can look at someone's life and I can tell how often you are studying scripture and where you're at in your faith walk just based on how your life is going right now if I had coffee with you and I asked you a few questions I would know where you're at on the scale and based on your mindset I can tell how much time you spend with Jesus so when people book clarity calls with me on my schedule, the first question I ask them is on a scale from one to 10, 10 being amazing, one being awful, where would you say your mental health is right now? And I know by that question, if someone doesn't give me a seven or higher, when we talk on the call, all I'm really talking about is emotional awareness, getting them out of the valley and getting them into God's word. Because if you are in God's word, and you are studying scripture and you are studying your Bible and you are doing your devotionals and you're doing studies and you are doing what God says to do and you're healing and you're becoming equipped, you will be in a better emotional state, guaranteed. I was cursing the devil for giving me anxiety and panic attacks and depression. I was journaling about wanting to end my life. I was in this terrible place. And I was literally cursing the devil. Like, get away from me, devil. I know these are attacks from you. And God actually spoke to me right here in this office. I got on my knees one day off this chair and fell on my knees and was praying that the Lord would take away my anxiety. And God said to me, the anxiety is not from the devil. The anxiety is from you. You are causing yourself to have this anxiety right now. The more time you spend away from me, the worse you feel. Start spending time with me and your anxiety will go away. 
And in that moment, I decided I'm going to start spending time with God and my anxiety completely went away. And I have not struggled with anxiety since then because I, I have started to, I have started to start feeling like, oh, like hopeless and helpless and a little like stressed out and overthinking and overanalyzing again. And I realize when I'm feeling like that, it's because I've stepped further away from God's word and I need to get back into his word. I need to get back to praying. I need to get back into this place so that I don't think that I can do this on my own. If you think you can do this on your own, you're trying to do this on your own. You're trying to parent on your own. You're trying to heal your marriage on your own. You're trying to have a better life on your own. If you're not praying, if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not in a devotion, if you're not in a Bible study, a church group, then you're showing God, I'm doing this on my own. And you know what? That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. The devil got kicked out of heaven because he was like, we don't need God. We can do this on our own. Our plan is better. Hey, everyone, you don't need to listen to him. We can do this. We are capable of making choices. We don't need his help. And he ended up getting thrown down into hell. And he's jealous of all of us because of how much God loves us and cares about us. And his biggest, sneakiest trick that he's trying to whisper in your ear all the time to everyone on the earth is that you don't need his help. You can do it on your own. And you might think, Taryn, I don't think that. I know I can't do this without him. Then how come your actions aren't backing up that truth? Because it's not enough to just believe. Your actions will show truly what you think. So if you are going to stand here or sit here in your car or wherever you are listening to this, and you're like, Taryn, I swear, I believe this. I know that I can't do this without God. Then you need to start matching up your actions so that God can see that you're relying on him. And asking him, I need to rely on you. I need your help, especially with parenting kids. If you think that it's hard parenting your one-year-old, newsflash for you, when they're 11, it's a million times harder. And when they're 18, it's even harder than that. You are physically experiencing pain of raising a child when they're one or six months old, newborns, you know, your body changes. It's so hard on your body, your hormones. You're trying to get in a routine with this baby or adding a second or a third or a fourth baby to your family. You're waking up in the middle of the night. You no longer have time for yourself. All you're doing is basically keeping this baby alive or these children alive, making sure when they're crawling, they're not putting things in their mouth, making sure they're not hitting their head. And it's physically demanding on you. But when your kids get older, it becomes more mentally demanding on you. And I promise you, if you are not healed, and equipped, you will not be able to help your children to view things in a healthy way and to be equipped. So for instance, your child is guaranteed going to experience bullying in their life. It's guaranteed. We live in a world of broken people. I have been bullied. You have been bullied or made to feel less than, made to feel excluded or not enough through the eyes of someone else. If you do not teach them that they are enough, what their actual identity is, if you do not help them to see these things, then you won't be able to help them when they get bullied. Your experience is going to be, you know what? You should, next time they do that, push them off the playground. Next time they do that, you tell them what, you know, give them a piece of your mind. You're not going to be healed and equipped to give them advice and to be able to help them. And if you don't know what to say yourself, you're not going to be able to teach someone. Like if you, okay, one thing that I'm really bad at 
And all last winter, I really was like, I'm going to get better at this. And I'm going to do this. And at the end of winter, I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I don't care to do this anymore. And my kids reminded me that it's almost winter again. And this is coming up again is skiing. Okay. I hate skiing. Like I hate it. It freaks me out the whole entire time I'm going down the mountain. I am literally out loud yelling for Jesus to keep me safe. Like I am so freaked out. Talk about doing things out of fear. I'm like, I'm going to get past this millions of people ski. Look at all these little kids. There's like a two-year-old going down the same hill. I'm going down. I can do this. I am going to do this. I have good balance. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to pray for protection. If I fall, oh well. Okay. I literally suck at skiing. Like I am so scared. I am, I stand straight up and my body like shakes and I'm like, oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. going down the hill, literally like Jesus, protect me. Jesus, don't let me fall. And I am so bad at it. So my sons, they know how to ski because they grew up skiing and they were with my dad and they're with my brother who snowboards and skis and his girlfriend snowboards and skis all over the place. So they have taken them a bunch of times and my 13 year olds are actually really good. My husband and I, not good, but we're trying. My daughters now, they want to start trying. I'm like, honey, you got to ask your uncle to help you because you don't want to take lessons from me. I am not good at this. You are going to end up like me if I'm the one who teach you how to do this. You need to go to someone else who's good because if you suck at skiing, you're never going to be able to teach people how to ski. Okay, if you suck at reading your Bible, you're never going to be able to teach your kids how to read your Bible. And I know I'm saying the word suck a lot and you're probably like, you know, maybe your kids are in the car and they're like, mom, she shouldn't say that. But just sucking at something, it doesn't mean that you're even trying because I could be a good skier. I could, I could take lessons. I could hire someone like a professional to teach me. And over time, doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it, I could be good at it. Just sucking at something doesn't even mean you're trying. It means that you're like, oh, well, I'm not good at it. Like, mm, whatever. And there's a lot of things, you know, skiing actually isn't going to bring me into heaven and it's not really that big of a deal. So I can say, I don't have an interest in learning how to be good at that. It's okay. Let me pass because you're allowed to do that. But with things that are so important that you're transferring down to next generations and on our call on Wednesday, uh, on our podcast, we're actually going to be talking about generations and how you pass things down and what you're passing down, whether you realize it or not. But a mother to God is a blessing. So Psalm 127.3 says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. If you have a child, you are blessed. You are a blessing. You are ordained by God. Psalm 139.13 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I want you to think of all of these scriptures from two sides. One, the scripture is about you because you're a mother. And two, the scripture could be about your children and your future mothers that you're raising up because they are children now. You used to be children and now you're raised up. So although you're ordained by God and your womb is ordained by God and God created your child in the inmost being and knit them together inside of your womb, you also were created in God's inmost being inside of your own mother's womb. So you were ordained by God. 
full of hope. Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't say he might not depart from it. He will not depart from it. This is a promise. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So if you are training up your children in the Lord, now you don't have to do it perfectly. Don't let the devil rob you of that and make you think, well, I'm not doing it enough. And I should be reading my Bible more. Don't shut all over yourself, okay? Remember, make sure that you realize if you are raising up your children in the Lord, if you have dedicated your life to following Christ and you are doing everything you can and you're praying and you're trying, God sees your effort and he sees you trying. If you're training up the way he should go, do not let the devil think that this scripture is not true. Because right now I'm in a season where I am doing everything I can to train up my children in the way they should go. I quit my job to do this. I have done everything. Now, do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. Do I sit down and host family Bible studies? No. Do my boys read their Bibles? No, they don't. Do my daughters read their Bibles on their own? No, they don't. We are not a perfect family. And I don't want you to think that at all. I want you to see that we are a real family, okay? I get mad and cuss at my kids sometimes. I'm just being honest and transparent here. My kids, my son was just suspended from school all last week. And I'm gonna talk about this and why it's important to be healed and equipped to handle the situations when you're child with your children. But I want you to realize that you are full of hope. If you're doing the best you can with what you have and you're trying to raise your child up, hold on to the fact that you know this scripture, you know how it ends. He will not depart from it. He might be, or she might be disobedient right now. He or she might be struggling right now, but know that if you are raising them up in this, they will not depart from it when they're older. And if your child's already 10, then start now. Say, you know what? We're going to get plugged into a church. It's my fault that we haven't been in church and I need church and you need church. So from now on, every single Sunday that we're in town, we're going to church and we're going to go as a family and we're going to travel to different churches in our area and see which church we like. And we're going to keep going until we all like a church. And, and have a family meeting of, guess what? We've been doing things the wrong way. And here's how it affected my life. Be transparent with your family and say, starting now, we're making changes. And you will be blessed for that. You have a calling on your life. Proverbs 31, 28 says, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. The men are the head of the household, but more families go to church because the mothers decided to start going to church. If you are in a family where you feel like you're spiritually leading your home, the best thing you can do is pray for your husband's scales and veil to be removed from him, to soften his heart, and for Jesus to call him closer and closer and closer to him. The more you pray for your husband to take this role and to become the spiritual head of the house, the more it will happen. The more you're resentful, bitter, angry, you make bad remarks and you you're distant and you try to tear him down and be disrespectful because he's not the man that you need him to be in the home that's only going to make things worse I used to be married to my I mean I'm still married to the same man but I used to be married to a man who was like that and I was bitter he wouldn't come to church he wouldn't do anything and I was bitter I'm trying to raise these children in the Lord and he was not so God woke me up one day and said Stop being bitter and start praying for him. 
you need to start praying for him. And when I started praying for him, things started working. I prayed for God to soften his heart and to bring strong godly men into his life that are bold and courageous and will speak the truth over his life. And it started working. You're worthy of honor. Ephesians 6, one through three says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And I want you to think of this next part of the scripture in two ways, like we talked about before. This is also a scripture to your children, but also to you. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. For you, you're honoring your father, which is God, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long, abundant life here on earth. Because you, my friend, need to be listening to your father. I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, I'm sorry that you don't agree with me, but I have to answer to my father. And he told me that it's my job to raise you up in the way you should go. And that means go to church on Wednesday nights because that's what we do. So I'm sorry you don't want to go. I'm sorry you have other plans. I'm sorry you think it's unfair, but we're going to church. That's what we're doing. Sorry. I'm sorry you think it's unfair that you're 13 and you have restrictions set on your TikTok and your Instagram and you can't go on it for very long and you have all these filtered words and restrictions on your account and your account set to private so you can't blow up on TikTok and become insta famous on Instagram. I'm sorry that you feel like that's unfair because all of your friends do, but I'm sorry I'm protecting you because at the end of my life I have to answer to my father and I have to tell him I did things that were right. So I'm sorry you don't agree, but you can't. I'm sorry you can't go to a haunted house and all your friends are going to the haunted house. And I'm sorry, but I prayed about it and I don't feel like that's the best place for you to be in your spirit and where you are in your walk right now. And, you know, this isn't, uh, I don't want to say these examples and you, you know, you sent all your kids to the haunted house and now you feel like a bad mom. That's not my point. You know, you're not a bad mom if you let your kids go to a haunted house, but it's everyone's personal spiritual relationship with Jesus and what they feel they're ready for and what they feel their family is ready for. You know, we have to answer our fathers. And if we do, if we're obedient to our father, we're promised a long lasting life. If you eat the way you should, the way that the Bible says that you should take care of your body, you probably wouldn't have all the disease you have. And maybe it's not you, it's the world, the pollution, the processed stuff, the preservatives in our food, the chemicals, you know, all of this, you wouldn't have the sickness the way that we have it today. If you treated your husband and he treated you the way that the Bible instructs, there wouldn't be divorce. If you raised your children up in the way they should go the right way, they probably wouldn't depart from it because they have been raised to know the truth. They probably wouldn't struggle with depression or mental illness or addiction because they have been raised up the way they should go. So if you didn't make the right choices and you have seen this sin come from your life, you know what I'm saying. And I haven't made the right choices and I've seen the sin trickle down in my generations just from my own problems. But as mothers, we're responsible for three things. And it's very simple. If you are a mother and you're raising children, this is the season that God wants you in. Don't let the world trick you and deceive you and distract you feeling like being a mother isn't enough and you need to be doing more. 
You need to be working more. You need to be contributing more. You need to be giving yourself more. You need to be sacrificing more. I want you to know that a mother's role in the Bible is crucial for raising people up the way they should go. And because of the mother's obedience and faithfulness in her life has been able to raise amazing children that went out and changed the world. And we're going to talk about purpose in a minute after we talk about these three things. But a mother is responsible to God for all three of these things are pointing your children towards Christ. So it's all under the umbrella of pointing your children towards Christ. The first one is praying for them. And I want to ask you, obviously you don't need to respond in the chat or if you're on here live or anything, but I just want you to be aware of this for your own self. How often do you do this? And I'm not saying like your kids get out of the car and you're like, Lord, keep them safe today. And you drive away. I'm talking like serious prayer over your children. Like you're making a list of things to pray for your children over. You're praying for the same thing. You're just begging God to change this in your child. You're begging them to help them with their mental health. You're begging God to help them with their identity. You're begging God to help make sure that they're in the right place at the right time and they're and they're having good sound judgment and the Holy Spirit is convicting them if they're doing anything that is unwholesome and you're just praying for your children's needs. How often do you do that? Because prayer I have found over the last couple of months is the biggest tool and you can't afford not to pray. If you're not praying yourself up before your day starts and then throughout your middle of your day and then at night when you go to bed for your night and the next day, you are leaving yourself so vulnerable to the devil, so defenseless. And we have this spiritual tool to be able to pray and to talk to God, the creator of everything, to tell him, we can't do this on our own. I can't do this day on my own. I can't have these conversations on my own. I can't manage things on my own today. I need you to help me raise my kids. I need you to help put words in my mouth. I need you to help shut my mouth when I'm nagging and I'm going on and on and on and on and on and it's not doing anything to my kids besides just making them roll their eyes and hate me. Okay, the second thing is modeling faith and character, which to model something means that you're walking the walk. So they see you reading your Bible. They see you doing a devotional. They hear you talk about what you're doing with God. They see the family calendar that you're going to church. Like this morning, I woke up my daughter for school and I'm like, okay, come on. You got to get up. You got to get up. It took her a minute. I'm like, okay, I got to go in my room because I have to pray for my call. Um, but my door is going to be closed, but you can just come in when you brush your teeth. And she's like, okay. And I was in there and she knows Monday and Wednesday in the mornings, right after I wake her up, I sit on my bed and I fold my hands and close my eyes and I get deep in prayer about my call. And I pray for all of you listening to this on the recording or live. I pray for the Holy Spirit to speak through me. I pray for him to give the words that you guys need to hear that I don't need to hear. I pray that he hijacks the topic and the notes to talk to you guys about what you need, not what I think you need. And, and I do this because if I do this, our calls are so much more powerful. When I started praying intentionally over this, the calls just blew up. We went from 2,000 listeners to 12.3,000 listeners as of last night. 
things are going up because I'm giving, I'm asking God to equip me. I'm asking God to help me. And I'm modeling my faith and character by telling my kids what I'm doing. I'm teaching them what I'm learning. So when I learned to pray just a few months ago, I started telling my daughter, hey, we need to start praying before school. We, let's pray for you before school. Let's pray for daddy. Let's pray for the boys. Let's pray for me. Let's pray for your sister. So now every single day when we drive to school, when we turn on the road that the school's on, we have about a five minute drive and we pray the entire way all the way to school. Her and I both do. We take turns praying. And we never did that before I prayed. But because I started praying and saw the fruits of it, I started teaching her. So now she's growing up in a home where she knows you pray when you start your day and you don't do it because some religious priest told you, oh, you better pray or you're not going to heaven. She does it because she knows she needs help. So when she's bullied at school, we pray for the little girl who bullies her. And we pray that God helps Sophia to see this little girl through the eyes of Jesus and uses her as a light and uses her to spread love and goodness throughout her school. We pray for her teacher to have patience and we pray for the kids to behave. And we pray for all of the things that we need to. So modeling faith and character means that you go to a Bible study and you show your kids. Yes, I go to church on Sunday and I also go to a Bible study throughout the week so that I can feed my soul. So they grow up and, and know, oh, well, my mom went to church and now they go to Bible study. This is what we do. You're walking the walk. You know, another part about walking the walk is are you doing things that are not supposed to be done? Like you're driving in your car and you have road rage and you're angry and you're yelling and screaming at the car in front of you, flipping them off and your kids are in the car. And then you're like, let's go to church, be holy. You know, it, and I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you'll start acting like him and he will start to change you. So I used to have road rage and that's how I know my little example there, because that used to be me. Now I wasn't flipping people off, but I would lose it. Like, get out of the way. Why are you in the fast lane? Move your car, lady. Let's go. Get out of my way. And now I don't do that. I mean, once in a while, it'll creep up and I'll be like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, we're not in a rush. It's okay. We don't need to act like this. God, help me. And it's because I've been praying for that. And I've been modeling faith and character. So you don't, don't focus on doing this perfectly. I just want you to focus on doing this. And the last one is training them in wisdom. So this means that you have experienced this yourself. So praying for them, modeling faith and character and training them in wisdom. Wisdom means that you have experienced these things and you had to learn the hard way how to do something. So the more bold you are and the more you walk through fear and the more you conquer, the more wisdom you're going to be able to have to give to your children. And you might not be giving a lot of wisdom right now based on how old your kids are, but I promise when your kids are 13, 14, 20, 25, 35, 45, you will need to give them more and more and more wisdom because you need to teach them how to go through this life. This life is hard. You need to equip them. You need to help them. Um, last thing I want to say before I move on is that I don't know why I feel, well, I feel like the Holy Spirit just wants me to say this, but if you have a child who needs healing themselves, that maybe they struggled with abuse or toxicity or addiction or abandonment or uh, anything under that umbrella, get them the healing they need now. Help them to know that it's not anything you should be ashamed of. If you're local to me and you need someone to counsel you, family counselor, I have a huge resource of a bunch of different counselors for different things, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram and I will connect you to my resources I have local 
and pray that God reveals to you where you should go, but get your child the healing they need now. Don't put it off any longer. And I guarantee you, your child isn't going to want to talk to someone. They don't feel like they need to be healed. They're embarrassed, but you need to keep pushing them to do this because it is going to help them. But we've been learning lately a couple of things. So we've learned that we're all the same. And we did that big survey where everyone filled out their answers to see you know, how many of us are the same. And we really realized that we're all the same. We've gone through some bad seasons. We've made some bad choices. We've had a lot of sin. We've had a lot of heartbreak. We've had a lot of trauma, generational curses and sins. But the biggest key takeaway from that was to not let the devil isolate you and make you feel like you're alone. And that's why we have these podcasts. And that's why I have this community at my church, because I want people to know we are all in this together. You are no different. We are all the same. Don't let the devil isolate you and make you think anything different. Then we kind of talked about the fact that the devil has been after you. You know, he's trying to get you scared. He's trying to get you off your course. He's trying to mess with your mind. He's trying to tell you, just drink, it'll feel better. He's trying to tell you, just, you know, ignore your husband, forget him. He treats you like crap, treat him like crap. He's trying to get you triggered and addicted and he's after you. And if you've missed our last few podcasts, then start waking up with us. And there's 97 podcast episodes now. So you can just start waking up to us and listen to whatever podcast episode really connects with your soul so that you can set your mind on things above, not focus on worldly things from the minute you wake up. As you're making your coffee, you're doing your stretches, you're getting ready, you're getting the kids up, you're driving to work. Listen to this podcast so that you can start to realize these things and you can start walking in your purpose, which really is what this is. So this whole message is on purpose because how many of us, like, let's be honest, how many of us have asked ourselves recently, what do I want to be when I get older? What do I want to do? You know, and some of us are like 40, 50, 60 we're not like 18. It's like, what do I want to be when I'm older? And society just expects you to graduate from high school when you're 18, go to college, know what you want to be, do it, work until you're 60, retired, live it on fixed income. That's what you're supposed to be. But that's not what God says that we're supposed to do. God says that there's a lot of purpose outside of a career. And if you're a mother, this is your purpose. What if it, your purpose is not about you after all? You know, this is a question that I've been obsessed with figuring out on my own. I even have a course called Find Your Purpose, where you can pay $111 and you enroll and you watch five videos and you get printouts and we talk about your purpose and who you are and your story and, and what you're passionate about and who you care about and what you would like to see. And we try to put together this purpose for your life. But what if it was more simple than this, that your purpose was to be a mother and to raise up these children in the world to go out and change the world? Think of Mother Mary, the Virgin Mary, who was chosen to raise up Jesus. Her purpose was to raise Jesus up in the way he should go. And he went and impacted everyone. And there's other people like Elijah and Elisha and Joseph's mother. And I'm reading this book right now about the mothers and daughters in the Bible. And it's phenomenal when you see what these women did and their purpose was raising their kids, spending time with their kids, teaching them scripture, praying with them, teaching them how to pray, helping them to do what they're doing. My passion is to help women out of the valley. My purpose is to help women out of the valley 
But the more I move in this way, I also realize that it's twofold. One, it's helping women out of the valley. It's two, it's speaking to the lives of young teens so that they don't get to age 35 and realize they're broken and stuck in a valley and need to be rescued. I want to rescue all of the women that are stuck in the valley, but then I want to equip the young woman and I want to empower you guys to help me equip the young women and men of our generations so that they don't end up in the valley. Because if I learned this stuff when I was 10 years old, I wouldn't have had to learn it now. I would have learned it then. And that's why the defined study by Priscilla Shire is it's in my link in my bio. If you scroll to the bottom of my Instagram link, you'll see my link for Priscilla's study. You can get it on lifeway.com or through Amazon. It's a teen girl study. And I recommend it to all women. All women, I recommend this highly, highly recommend. It's the number one thing I recommend to get if you want to start living for God. A lot of people are like, Taryn, I think I bought the wrong one. It says teen girls. I'm like, no, you didn't. Because you didn't learn this as a teen, now that you're 43, you still have to learn it now. So this is the right study for you. Here you go. You know, our purpose might not be about us. Our purpose might not be all consuming for us, but who we're raising. And it's important to not be triggered and to be healed and to be equipped and to know that God wants us to pray for our children, model faith and character and train them in wisdom. This is all he wants for us as a mother are these three things. And why it's important is because this last week with my son, I was not triggered. I was not angry. I was disappointed and I was irritated a little, but I was armed and ready. Because I know my identity and I know my purpose because of experiencing tension in a season. So remember that tension over time equals growth. So when you're experiencing tension in your life, realize that it is a good thing. And that's one of my favorite scriptures that I talk about. And I have it on my fridge. And it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that's in James 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And he's talking to the 12 scattered tribes that are all over Israel. And he needs to tell them, hey, listen, he's not, he didn't text them. He didn't put it in Telegram. He didn't go live on Instagram. He had to write out a scroll and send it and deliver it by hand to all of these 12 tribes. And he told them, hey, 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 look at me. Consider it pure joy whenever you experience trials of any kind. Raising your kids is a tough season. It's a trial. And because I've been in my own trials and tensions in life and had to deal with hardships and I had to be healed, going to therapy was not easy. Quitting drinking, not easy. Repairing my marriage, not easy. Stop yelling at my kids, not easy. Get out of the valley, it wasn't easy. It was hard. And in the moment, I hated it. And I prayed to get out of it. But when I was out and looked back, I was grateful for the tension season. And it's a season. There's a season for everything. And the Bible talks about that. There's a season for mourning and a season for laughing and a season for death and a season for life and a season for harvest, and a season for laboring, and there is a season for everything, our children are no different. Our children are going to go through hard seasons, whether 
they're two and throwing a temper tantrum on the floor at Target and you're embarrassed or they're six and you catch them lying or they're eight and they're being bullied or they are the bully or they're 12 and they're trying to fit in they're they're 16 and you catch them vaping or drinking when they're 18 or drinking and driving or lying or getting in trouble with the law or cheating or their own addiction or their own broken marriages they're going to have seasons because seasons are for everyone but if you can look at a season in motherhood and not be triggered and you're already healed and you're equipped with God's word, you'll be armed and ready to help them fight because seasons in, in raising up your children, it's really not about flesh and blood. And Ephesians 6.12 talks about spiritually fighting. And it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It is a full-on battle between good and bad. The devil is on the other end of the rope trying to tug and win, tug of war to get your kids to be on his side. So you have to be armed and ready. You have to be equipped. You have to be healed because if you have injuries, and you're not equipped and you run into battle, what do you think is going to happen to you? Do you think you're going to win? Absolutely not. You need to be equipped and prayed up and empowered and ready to fight these battles for our children. And there's also a physical type of fight that Nehemiah talks about in 414 when the walls fell of Jerusalem and he was trying to fix the walls and people were trying to come in and infiltrate the walls. And and he said that his people had a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other hand. So what that means is they were fixing the cement wall or whatever they built the wall out of the wood wall with one hand and the other hand, they were trying to defend themselves. And it says for our, um, no, it says, uh, where is it? Nehemiah 4.14, it says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. It's time to fight, mama. I don't know about you, but I think it's been time for a long time. A very long time. And if we expect our children to go through life, like we're going through life, we got to know that they're going to go through seasons. And I could have handled this season with my son last week two ways. And at the meeting on Friday, I brought him up on stage and I spoke life over him and I laid my hands on him and I spoke to him and I told him how great he was. You know, my son actually almost was aborted and I was 18 years old and I got pregnant by my new boyfriend, who's now my husband, praise the Lord that I got pregnant by him and not someone else that I was with, but I was very scared and I knew that if I had an abortion, it would all go away. It, my life would be back, you know, let's just take care of it. And I was raised to know that abortions were wrong. However, it was very tempting to think that my life could just go back to how it was. And my life to how it was, let me remind you, was not well. Okay, I was kicked out of my home. I wasn't talking or communicating with my family, who I'm very close to. I was addicted to drugs, working at a bar, snorting cocaine off the back of the toilet seats. I was 
I, I had a new cell phone every month because I couldn't pay for it. And I would just let it get shut off and I'd open a new cell phone. I didn't have a debit card or credit card because no banks would let me have an account with them. I had a car that barely ran. I had no money. I had no hope. I had no purpose. So I get pregnant and all I want to do is bring my life back to how it was. Not very smart. <laughs> I know this now. God spoke to me and told me to keep this baby. And I decided to keep it. And I convinced John that we could co-parent. We didn't have to be together if it didn't work out, but we could raise a baby and this would be fine. Well, we go to the ultrasound and we find out that there's two babies. So it was a little spin, you know, a little twist. But having those children saved my life. And I've told my son this over and over. I told both my sons this. If I didn't get pregnant with them, I am almost positive I would have been dead. Uh, the drugs that I was doing were drugs that could kill you. And one time that you do them and I was addicted to them and I was doing them over and over and over again. And I was on my way. I was, I was homeless. I was newly homeless. I was sleeping on the couches of my friend's houses who let me sleep there. And I don't think that I would have lived. And my son survived that. And I knew that God had a purpose for his life. And I knew his purpose was to save my life. But I never knew what my purpose was. And as he's gotten older and I see his talents and his gifts and his ability to lead and his ability for influence and all of these amazing things that I see over my son, I can't help but to think that I am raising someone who's going to change the world if I raise him up in the world, knowing Christ and not of the world, but in the world and in Christ centered and rooted in Christ as he's raised. And I know that he's going to change the world and I know who he is and I know what he's capable of. And I was able to speak that over him last week and to tell him, you are chosen, you are anointed, you are set apart, you are different. Don't get tangled up in this bad influence. Don't get your eyes focused on the world. Set your eyes on things above. We talked about scriptures. We talked about Bibles um, that he needs to start reading. I brought him into church. I had mentors pray over him. I had mentors in my church take him out to lunch hang out with him. He's been spending a lot of time at the church. If I wasn't equipped and I wasn't healed, let me show you how this past week would have been different. Okay. First of all, I would have felt very out of control because my son was suspended from school and who gets suspended from school. Are you serious? Are you an idiot? Are you stupid? You're making bad choices. Go in your room. Don't be biased. We can't stand to be around you. I don't want you with our family at all. You're a piece of crap. You deserve what you get. And I would have spoken so much death and negativity over him. I would have felt out of control. I would have been screaming at him, yelling at him, telling him, I don't care. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Go in your room. I would have been nasty because I would have been triggered and I wouldn't have been equipped. So I wouldn't know what to do. And I would be like, why is this happening to me? I, my kids aren't going to be like this. So what the enemy intends on evil, God can use for good. And because I'm healed and equipped, I was able to make last week be an amazing week with my son. We had so much time together. We prayed so much together. We, I poured into him. I made him feel so loved. I made him feel so heard and connected and told him, this isn't who you are. I was able to speak life over him. I was able to speak who God says he is, who God knows him to be, who God created him to be. Before he was born, the plans that God drew up. And I was able to tell him, Dominic, your influence and your leadership, God is going to use for amazing things. He has something in store for you. You're going to change the world in a huge way. 
but you have to use your gifts for good. I want you to know that all of this starts with you. So you need to start praying for them. You need to start modeling faith and character, and you need to start training them in wisdom over time. And I have two challenges for you. One challenge is I want you to read Ephesians. It's only six chapters. It's very simple. And I want you to keep a few things in mind. So one, don't just read it as fast as you can and try to get all six chapters done today. I want you to slow roll read very slowly. I want you to highlight anything in Ephesians that says who you are, anything about identity, anything that you can pick out that you said, this is who God says I am. I want you to highlight it. And if there is a word that you do not really understand what it means, I want you to circle it and I want you to write the definition next to it. And this can take you a week, two weeks, three weeks. I want you to have this done within three weeks and do this. And if you have teenagers, it would be great if you guys did this together as a family. And the other challenge I have for you is I want you to start praying for your child. So I want you to print out a calendar, or if you have a calendar at your home already, perfect. And all I want you to do is for the rest of November, and if you want to go longer into December, you can. If you want to go the rest of the year, I want you to do this. And every day that you actually pray for your children, like a deep, meaningful prayer, like where you take time out of your day to focus on praying for your kids, I want you to put a check mark or a smiley face or a sticker or something that lets you know that you accomplished the goal for that day of praying for your children. Now, don't think about this being perfect. Okay, you, you don't have to have the perfect prayers. If you need help with prayers, you can download my prayer list on my Instagram, click the link in my bio at Taryn Sarconi and download my prayer list and you can use my prayers. I also have a download there that talks about your inheritance and your identity. And that will be really good because it kind of goes along with Ephesians. So if you want to print both of those out and have those in front of you, perfect. Put them on your fridge so your kids can see them too. But I don't want you to perfect this by thinking your prayers need to be so powerful and perfect and whatever. All you're doing is talking to God about what you need help with. And the goal isn't to do this every single day for the rest of the month or the rest of the year. The goal is to be aware of how often you're doing this. So if you do this two times between now and the rest of the year, or maybe you're listening to this podcast and it's now March and you're like, I'm going to do this for the rest of March, or I'm going to do this for two weeks. You need to do it for at least two weeks so you can see the trend. The goal is to commit to doing something, to know the importance of it, to say, I'm going to do this. And then at the end of the time, see how well you did it. See how many days you did this for. And if you only did it three times, then you need to ask yourself, why did I only do it three times? Was I distracted? Was I busy? Did I say I was going to do it at night and night came and I didn't feel like it? Did I say I was going to do it in the morning and then I never woke up early enough? You, know, you can talk to God at any time of the day. You can talk to him while you're driving your car. You can make it a plan. And the best thing to do is if you're trying to fit a new habit into your life that you would like to really have as a habit that you automatically do every day without writing it on a to-do list, the best thing to do is attach it to something you're already doing. So if you're already driving to work every single day, tell yourself from now on when I drive to work, I'm going to pray for my kids the whole way there, or I'm going to listen to my Bible the whole way there, or while I brush my teeth, I'm going to recite my prayers for my kids. Put it into something you're already doing because these two things, these two challenges I have for you 
are going to help you start doing the first three things that God wants us to do. Praying for your kids, modeling faith and character and training them in wisdom. Let your kids know you're praying for them. Ask them, if, is there anything that you would like me to pray for you for? Because I'm going to pray for you every day and I'm going to write it on the list. And especially if you have adult children, you should be doing this too. Don't think that, oh, my kids are old. I don't need to do that anymore. Yes, you do. And the very last thing I want to say before I let you go is Billy Graham said this. He said, only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding of character in her children. And remember how much God appreciates your help and what you're doing for these children. This is the worst time we've ever had in the world. We need parents to rise up and raise their kids to be fighters, to be lions, not sheep, to be leaders, not followers, to stand up for what is right, to change the world, to know their identity, to make an impact. And that's on you. You have the power to do that. That is your purpose. You are a mother. You are a mother. So start with you, get yourself healed and whole, and then it'll affect your children. It'll move out in the circles. It'll affect your home. It'll affect your community, your church, your groups that you're around. It'll trickle out further and further and further. And that's how you make a huge impact in this world. And if you have children, then you have arrows that you can shoot out into the world and make an even bigger impact and an even larger change. So I hope that you found this powerful and you're not just going to listen to this and say, oh, good message, but you're actually going to put this into action. You're going to start applying these things to your life. And if you're local, I invite you to join our mom's group. We have a Facebook group called Moms on Mission. And like I said, the second and fourth Friday of every month, we're meeting from nine to 11 and we're having fellowship and breakfast and coffee. And it's, a, it's an amazing time. It's one of my favorite things that I started doing recently. So I love you. Thank you for listening to this. If you love the podcast, can you please leave me a review? What it does is it helps the podcast be bumped up in a search and it helps further the mission for the kingdom. So just by leaving a review on my podcast, you can actually be making an impact too in the world. So thank you. I love you guys. Thanks for being on here live. Thanks for listening to the recording. Have an amazing day. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name, amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley, and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.